Wardcast episode 181, go! I'm Dylan Vento, and today I'm rejoined by Callum Underwood, publishing scout at Raw Fury, including a bunch of other titles that he says he's made up at other companies. How are you doing, Callum? I'm very good, Dylan. It is so nice to be back. I can't believe you're at episode 181. Neither can I. That's insane. <laughs> I uh, I did have a string of guests for a little while. They were like, wait, what number is it? That's a big number. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. So congrats. Congrats on that. Thank you. Uh, how's life been? How is life in the, across the pond, as they say? Life is good. Life is busy. It's GDC coming up soon. Um so like my my raw fury inbox is just filling both with devs like panicking that they need to get something in if they're not going to gdc and they know everyone's going to be like off for like three weeks basically or people trying to get meetings and and things like that uh super hot is is kind of similar which is somewhere else where i work and help out um it's a little bit more chill but we're working on um a port to a platform that is happening in the next few months so that is that is kind of hardcore and then caffeine is is we're a streaming silicon valley company so that's always intense and and fun so yeah i'm tired (laughs) i'm tired Uh, but but happy i um uh with the overlap of of gd i have a story that overlaps gdc and uh super hot in a way so like obviously i'm I'm i was familiar with super hot but i never like played much of it Mm mm-hmm until last GDC, and then my buddy who I was staying with, who lives in San Francisco, we played the entire thing, like, that week. That's Like, good. every night I would come home, back to his place, like, after hanging out at GDC, and he's like, let's, you know, do a couple, clear a couple more levels of Superhound. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then every time, or, and then when the game finishes, it rolls the credits, and it's special thanks, and, like, yours, your name is, like, one of the first on there. I was like, oh, hey! <laughs> Yeah, they're yeah they're very nice in in their special things and stuff like that. I I love the super hot team. It's like a, such a good example of um, nice people happen to like have a successful game. Not that it was an accident, but like they've they've made good money, and then it's how they like continued the company from then. So they treat their staff really well. Everyone seems really happy. They're still like perfectionists in what in what the team does, um, like trying to get art assets approved for stuff or like everything goes through like the art director or design director or anything. But I think they're just a really good example of like nice people made a lot of money, didn't end up buying a hundred eighty million dollar house in in LA, <laughs> uh, which is which is good. It, it, it's they're like a poster child, and also they're in they're in Poland, so it you know right. Um, their staffing costs are pretty low, but they still play like really well for for where they are. Um, so, yeah. I like how you're like not buying a hundred eight million dollar house in LA. You know, just nondescript, not yeah, that, calling not anyone out in particular. In particular, of course, <laughs> just you know, as you do. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying it was on the same level as as that game, but it was you know, sure did okay. Well, working uh, with a lot of like hobbyists where I live and and like game jammers, it's also like a very inspirational like game jam story, right? Because yeah. it went from a jam game to like a full release to like a very successful game, and then they just keep working with that. Yeah, you know, it's also a good example of like d- taking something good and just really going to town on the business side of it. Like Tomas, who I guess runs business development at, at 
uh, super hot. Like often people think he's the CEO. I don't think he is technically. I'm not actually sure. Maybe I should figure that out. But he's just he's a he's just really really good at like identifying opportunities on the business side of the game, and then he lets like the games team just build their thing and and do what they want to do. Um, and he takes that and and you know with people like me and Anders and and a couple of other folks like really just spreads that game far and wide um and uses kind of business intelligence to make it better like this the the was the fact that they found this cool mechanic and did the game jam a fluke like maybe maybe not i don't know they're like super smart team but the fact that they've managed to turn it into like a big business with like 40 employees off really one game or at least one ip um is is like really impressive and testament honestly to the like the hardcore business attitude they take to things um it's a fun game their pr are fun like they they like to you know joke about on social media and stuff but like behind that all there is like a, a really smart business team kind of making smart decisions in in a way that always protects like the brand and the company but really just just they end up getting money from all over the place of, of people who want to play the game so it's it's really good to see do they are you like the liaison for them for GDC or do they send other members of the team out? Uh, actually, we're taking six of us out. So we, we, we've got a, um, like a VR team that I, that I hired when I came on to super hot. Um, the, the team that shipped super hot VR were kind of tired after shipping super hot VR. That was, that was a pretty crunchy project. Um, I actually worked at Oculus when they did that project and signed the game, which is, you know, why we started working with each other after, I guess we enjoyed it. Um, so we're bringing kind of two of them out, bringing myself out um i do kind of new business at super hot and and i think the that only really makes sense when you find out like what i do so i deal with people like htc on on you like we launched on viveport and i thought that would be a good idea so i kind of led that project to get onto viveport uh we're doing some arcade stuff i've been helping out with kind of what that is and there's been like multiple kind of new random bits of business that come out um that other people haven't been focusing on so i'm coming out Tomas and Piotr are coming out. Piotr is the design director. Uh, and then Alistair kind of does all our arcade stuff. He's coming out as well. So there's actually, I think, six or seven of us in total. Um, but mostly business people. We have a, a policy at Superhot, which I, I've actually never seen elsewhere and I think is amazing, where no questions asked, literally no questions asked. You can go to any game event in the world and expense 50% of the cost of your like flights, hotel, and ticket. Um or if you can justify that you're there for a work reason, then you can expense 100% of it. So I think there's a couple of people from Superhot who are taking holiday and going to GDC and saving, you know, half of the money. Um, and they're there kind of representing Superhot, but there's no expectation that they'll do meetings or go to talks. They're basically there just to hang out. So I actually think that's a really, really great policy that I've, I've not heard about elsewhere. And it means people get to feel like they're involved. Um, but also you're not sending, you know, 70 people to, to GDC every year when you really only need like three or four. Right. There's a lot of studios like that. And especially like most of those inspirational ones seem to be coming out of Europe a lot. Like I know Motion Twin is also like a really big inspiration story with their like, you know, equal pay structure and how well Dead Cells did. Right. I was about to say they did Dead Cells. Yeah. Again, and it's a good example of like, yes, you need the money first, I guess. But also, you need to have the right attitude before you get the money. Otherwise, right. you you know, there's there's so many game companies there who've who've made a buck um, and then gone on to just waste it or or you know get rid of all their staff or anything. And actually, it tends to be America for for some reason or another. I don't know whether it's the culture or just attitude to things or um, you know. I think in Europe, we're always a little bit more hesitant to just jump on the next big thing. Um, 
But we'll see. I also like from a scouting perspective, literally all of the like most interesting projects I've seen in the past few months are coming out of Eastern Europe um, and South America and, and places that traditionally you wouldn't see kind of new games coming from because it's the world is opening up more and more and it's you finally starting to see the kind of results of those efforts. Like look at uh, Crow Team and the kind of teams that they support um, over in Croatia, like Scum, for example, like that was from a random Croatian company that just blew up for a few weeks, did really well, made a ton of money and they're doing smart smart things with it now um and then i visited ukraine last year and again there's just these games that i just never would have imagined um coming from ukraine for example so it was it was really refreshing to see i'm curious about the uh especially with the thq nordic stuff that just happened and it does seem like eastern europe AAA seems to be in a very weird position where they seem to be um in some ways appealing to alt-rightism and in some ways just like making very weird decisions yeah uh that's a big question i I, the thq thing was just crazy um that wasn't eastern europe though i think that was austria um so that's like pretty mainland europe um all right i'll talk about thq because it it's even weirder in my mind so thq um there's two companies right there's thq nordic which is the the parent company, and then there's THQ Nordic, which is the Austrian publisher. So already it's confusing. But what happened a few months ago, or even weeks ago, is uh, 4A and Deep Silver announced that Metro would be an Epic exclusive. Um, A Deep Silver owned by the parent company, THQ Nordic. THQ Nordic, the publisher in Austria, then put out a couple of tweets saying, we believe everyone should be able to play games anywhere. We don't agree with exclusivity. Like, the internet was confused because they're like, this is your company, what is going on? And then eventually the holding company had to step in and say, no, like, we're, they're going to change their name to make it clear they're a different company to us. And we all, like, we want, like, Deep Silver can do what they want. And then fast forward, like, I, I honestly think it was like two months ago, maybe three and they do it again, like the the Austrian company are saying things on Twitter or whatever that the the holding company and certainly not the the companies that the holding company acquired. Like look at Handy Games or Coffee Stain; they've been part of that company now for less than four months, um, and they're now being like potentially tarnished by this one smaller company in in uh, in Austria that is essentially a peer of theirs. It's not their holding company, so it's like it's really confusing. Um, but I, it's just crazy. And I, I've seen that the director wasn't fired. Like the holding company made an apology, the CEO did, but like that's the end of it, which seems kind of odd to me because this was, this this seems to have been super purposeful and their response on 8chan to some of the questions. Like there was one which was uh, like, we're working it as hard as an alien prostitute. And I was like, that takes like a pretty strong understanding of of like 8chan and internet culture to know that that'll go down with that community and that wasn't like some random mistake someone from 8chan reached out like shout out to mark like it was just like it was it was really awful and honestly it concerns me because that is just pandering to uh like toxic opinions and whether like you're on the the left or the right like that's up to you i think the alt-right is is I wish we'd called it just like the far right or something because it's not really alt. It's just we're like back to to pretty, you know, opinions that I don't agree with. Um, and it's, uh, I don't know if I blame Eastern Europe as a whole, but when I was in Kiev, for example, and I, I visited Ukraine, 
there were some studios whose culture just seems to be 10 or 20 years behind that of the West in that one said they couldn't hire a female because all their male, uh, they couldn't hire a woman because all of their, their men working at the company would be upset. And also they didn't have space for a, a woman toilet. <laughs> it's like, you just you can't say that in 2018. That's not a, it's not a thing that is okay. Um, but you know, culture wise that it, it, it's, it's been very different. It's, they've had a much different time to, you know, America and we've been pretty sheltered in the, the past 20, 30 years to, to some degree. So I can, somewhat understand it but when it comes from austrians it's like come on guys like right pivoting back to gdc a little bit uh i know last year you were doing a lot of um pitch meetings mm -hmm. for people interested in pitching and getting published with raw fury <laughs> your space was really cool i stopped by the loft um took the right door did not take the incorrect <laughs> door to the adult so I, have a, so I have a story about that actually and then i'll i'll, I'll let you finish the question so i took a a photo from Google Street Maps of Folsom Gulch, which is the kind of the, the sex store next door to the Raw Fury Loft. I think it's a gay sex store. I'm not sure. It, it, it advertises itself as like the number one cruising spot in San Francisco, which I believe is a gay term. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, so I took a picture of it and then I like had an arrow to like the loft. And then I sent that to, I would say about 70 different developers. Um, and I put it on Twitter as well as like, look, you know, come to our loft, but it's here. Don't go in the Folsom Gold store, like lol, uh, and then it was a mistake that I, the arrow was pointing to the wrong apartment. <laughs> like, Whoops! Fuck. So I had to a email all the devs and be like, "All right, th there's another door you have to go in." But like six months later, so just a few months ago, uh, this this woman replied to that tweet and was like, "Oh my god, I've randomly just found this tweet, and that's my appointment. That's my apartment that the arrow is pointing to." And I, I happen to work in games. She works uh, with Jonathan Blow on the the Witness. <laughs> I was like, okay, "What the okay. fucking? What are the chances?" So I was like, "All right, well, you have to come to the loft now since we're basically your neighbor. So she's gonna come. She's gonna come over and, and check out the space." But yeah, that was just like I, I was being so ignorant, and it it's so weird that the one person who happens to see it sees it on Twitter and works in games and we have a bunch of mutuals so um yeah the, the space is it, i love the raw fury loft um it's not on the show floor it's away from moscone like for a lot of people i think that would uh that would worry them because you know people have to come to us and it's a, maybe an eight minute walk ten minute walk um but honestly like for me it's just nice you're out of the hustle and bustle um it's a it's a cool place just to hang out like, like like you said you came by like you don't people don't have to come by just to pitch raw fury we let friends come and hang out We're we're allowing kind of other devs to show their games off this year um obviously there's always like a bunch of press around and like discord were hanging around last year so it's just a nice little melting pot of, of friendly people um and i'd like us to keep it going for for as long as we can like i i really like the it, we're just like removing ourselves from from like the GDC craziness um, for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, that's understandable. Um, I think there's a lot. Like the only thing I've ever seen with like people expressing any unease with offsite locations is just they think there's like this significant like drop off like into like crime ridden streets. Like as soon as you get away from like the epicenter of GDC. Yeah. Which I I don't I don't know. I like I don't I'm not a San Francisco native I can't speak to that I can't speak to how dangerous the tenderloin truly is but yeah it's a it, you know what it's a fair point and actually I think for like you and me it's probably less dangerous than it is like a lone right. woman or something like that um who's not a who's not a local um I mean even I like try not to walk on certain streets in San Francisco at certain times um 
Like, I mean, it's, it's, that's just the city. It's the same with London though. You know, um, it's, there's areas you just don't really want to go and hang around in, but, um, I mean, all our meetings are in the daytime and, and, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't had someone complain yet, which is good, but it, it is a fair point. Um, yeah. and at least there's lots of friendly people when you get there. Um, but I have like, it's not in a bad area. There's, there's definitely some bad areas of San Francisco, but my, my experience has always been like, everyone just kind of leaves you alone. You know? Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's always like big Twitter threads and discussions every year from people from Europe traveling to San Francisco of like, is there anything we can do? This, this sucks. Like all the homeless people, it's really sad, you know? And, and every time it's like, it, there's just, we can't really do anything that isn't just straight up patronizing, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I would still rather be away from, from GDC itself. Um, also like it kind of, you know, people are people are going around GDC pitching that game. That's that's an emotional labor, and that's a lot of work and effort. And I I feel like if they can be greeted at like this little cool hangout space with a Le Croix or whatever you call it, and a and you know like there's friendly people around, there's people chatting and showing games, and it's just a bit more relaxed, and they get you know 20, 30 minutes to chat to someone. Like I feel like that's nicer than the than the perhaps like revolving door that GDC itself can feel like sometimes, and, and those meeting rooms. Um, and it's also not a hotel room at the at the Marriott or Intercontinental, which right. is you know where I've 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 often done other meetings. Like it's just a little bit more like a hangout, and, and you know I like it. Is Lacroix like? Is that like Lacroix? Uh, is that how you say it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the quoi is. Yeah, that's is the quoi well, I mean, the thing I'm we're talking saying about. Saying it in a French accent, right? <laughs> uh, Yeah, Lacroix. I did. Uh, right, great. Can you can you mute that out? Lacroix. <laughs> no, no, that might stay. That might be the episode title. We don't know yet. Shit. Yeah, Lacroix. That's it. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. Like I. I did. I had a meeting in. Uh, I think it. I think it was the Marriott. I can't remember. Um. It was with Mike Rose, but like, there's the big. Um, not the Almost Mike Rose, surely. The, the <laughs> like, no more robots own Mike Rose, the man who decided to launch a game, like, the half week before GDC for some reason. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to him about something, like, unrelated, and I'm like, I'm just going to wait until he shipped that, and then after GDC, because I just do not want to put stuff on his plate right now. He's also very lean at his company. He has, like, maybe four employees, of which two, I think, are full-time or something, so he's he's doing really well. But there's, uh, I think it's the Marriott where there's like the escalators leading up into like a second lobby, basically. It's like an elevated platform. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, and there's like a bunch of meetings like just happening there, and like people just like putting their yep. their laptops on the ledges and stuff. Yep. I thought that was a cool. I thought that was a cool kind of setup. It is cool. It's also again, it's rough because like you 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 want to show people your game in like the best circumstance. So like if we talk about Playdead, so when they were making Inside. Uh, and you visited them and they showed you the game, they they were so unbelievably strict. Like, they would sit you down on a big comfy sofa, couch. Uh, they would dim all the lights. No one was allowed to talk. People were allowed to watch you play. Um, you put nice headphones on. So they were putting you in, like, what your home environment could be like if it was a good setup. Um, and they just watch you play the game. And, like, they didn't really respond to questions. That wasn't, you know, and compare that to, like, showing someone your, like, hastily finished build um, in amongst, like, 30 people at the, the, the Marriott bar resting on a table. Like, it's just completely different. So I do find it hard both looking at games and, like, imagining trying to pitch my game at places like that. Um, but then, like, not everyone is, is lucky enough to be able to, to have a hotel room or a meeting space or anything like that. So I do kind of like that San Francisco Center just turns into, like, game dev land for three or four days. It's, it is fun. 
yeah, that's the most inspirational part is that like I could talk to anyone on the street or basically anyone on the street and have something in relation to talk to them about. Yeah. It's, it's just nice. Like, it's just nice. It's validating. Um, like I, I work from home when I do raw fury stuff. Uh, and I talk to people all day, every day about games, but like going there and just seeing these people in person and also seeing, seeing people who've made games that you've played and enjoyed either in the past or currently and it's just it's very validating for me that like this is a this is a good industry and we're doing the right thing by like being in it um um it's kind of the same feeling as being at like a gamescom and seeing all the or or i guess e3 maybe packs would be the the analogy as uh, seeing like all of the the people there just to play games like who might buy your game consumers or players or whatever you want to call it it's the similar feeling like it just validates that there is a world out there that is that is nice and and you know making games is is good it can do a lot of good things i've heard there's a gamescom smell can you confirm or deny i leave before the smell has a chance so gamescom is like two days of business where normal people aren't allowed in and then it's like (laughs) four days of normal people being in there so i normally do like two days of business and then like one more day kind of and then i leave uh and yeah i do i do never want to run a booth at gamescom um like it's i'm not gonna look down on gamescom because it's amazing the amount of people that pay to come and like check out new games and especially indie games and switch games and stuff but um it's it's not a place where someone who suffers from any sort of like social anxiety wants to be which surprisingly i do i'm just like out of there as as fast as i can well e3 in a lot of ways seems like it's taking on the the gamescom model yeah they're letting consumers in now as well I haven't been to e- I went to E3 I think four years ago and I haven't been back, which I think says a lot about my love for the show. Um, again, it's impressive to see these like literally 10, 20 million dollar booths. Um, but it's, you know, that's about it. I could do without visiting LA just for that once a year. <laughs> Never been. So I think I feel like I need to try it out. I mean, at least I'm once. glad I went. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but I ended up doing press for like five days and it was just like, it was tiring. Um, and there's always like someone closer to LA that can go and do it. Whereas GDC, I think you need all the bodies you can get because GDC for someone like Raw Fury, like we take so many pitches and we talk to so many devs and all of the partners. Whereas E3 is much more about um, about press um, and like a little bit partners. And obviously we're like we're an indie publisher. Like we don't, you know, we, we, we do press in different ways um, and we're looking for kind of different things to, to what like an Activision or, you know, a Blizzard or someone is doing in E3. So um, for us, GDC is, is so much more important. So how many, how big's the pitch team? Uh, that's a good question. So right now, so when I last spoke to you, uh, it was just me. Um, I've stepped back a little bit. So I was the basic process of like raw Fury's publishing pitching process is, um, someone at the company will receive a pitch that used to be me. Then we'll look at it and you kind of filter out, I would say like 50% of things right away. Um, sorry, my phone's ringing. Uh, you'd filter out like 50% of things right away, maybe 30%. Um, because we want to see a video, maybe a game design document, but I'm not too fussed about that, but ultimately a build. And you just know like almost instantly if this is something that Raw Fury would be interested in or not. Um, so we filter that. Then uh, we get like wider view. So more people at the company take a look at it. When I last talked, God, I think it was like two years ago now, maybe maybe 18 months. Um there was maybe nine people at the company, maybe 10. So it was kind of easy. Everyone in the company would look at every game. We're, we're more than that now, maybe double that. So we're no longer like a full democracy in terms of signing games because it's just impossible. You get like 20 people in a room to decide on what game to sign. It doesn't work. 
Um, so now we have Johan Torrison, um, who's like a hairy bearded Swedish guy. He like he's very on brand for Raw Fury. Um, so he's now like he's like the full time scout guy. So he's like the filter that initially he will like take things through the process. He like designed a new process which was a lot better. So we've moved on from like scrappy Callum just takes a look at stuff and like we make random bets here and there. <laughs> give me, a, give um, me the game. Let me right. see. Look, look at this game. I mean, I feel like I did a, an okay job because like we signed Sable, we signed Tommy Crops, and like some other announced and unannounced games. Like I think I got some good games. Um, but having Johan as well really enables us to, to I guess give more time to people when they pitch um, and also look at a lot more stuff. Um, like it's 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 hard being a publisher. Um, there's so many <laughs> feel bad for me yeah it's, it's hard man like yeah, the struggle is real um there's just there's not that many games that you would want to sign for for a myriad of reasons um some of those just you don't feel into it on that random day or something right so we yeah. we look at a lot of things to to really try and find ultimately we try and find things that we want to work on um the profitability and like can we sell this is absolutely a major part of that decision making process but it is not the only part of that decision making process honestly i think the most important part is are there people at this company that want to champion this game and work on it for one two three years and, and get it out the door and if the answer is a no to that it doesn't matter how much money we think it'll make we just we, we say no because otherwise why join an indie publisher you know and, and right and have that environment when you could you could work at a triple a AAA company and you know um, work on games that people tell you to work on. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's like a reason people joined Raw Fury over over some other companies. We like to, to kind of keep that family feel and autonomy and, and things like that. And it's working pretty well. Um, we took investment off Nordisk Film uh, a few months ago, which enabled us to kind of scale up the the size of games um, that we were that we were signing. Because uh, obviously with a publisher, like you're spreading risk across multiple games, but it's all about cash flow as well. You sign a game, you're committing to two years, you're committing to maybe like $500,000 over that two years. And like, it's all about cash flow of like, let's hope that the previous game is starts to make money and so on and so forth. So we gave ourselves a nice buffer to be able to take some risks, um, which, which should hopefully pay off. I think last time we t- kind of talked about like Raw Fury is like portfolio tone, right? Like what if they specifically look at games of certain types and i don't know if that's still the case especially with what you said before about how like how individual scouts feel versus when they bring it back to the group and only like a a segment of uh the company makes a decision whether or not to go or not go with a game yeah it's a good question i i I think we're the same like i think if you look at the raw fury lineup um we don't have a type like we have like strategy games or point and click adventure games or games like kingdom which are guess an rpg um and like roguelikes and and you know shooters like we have a bunch of different stuff so there's not like a genre that we exceed in like paradox is pretty incredible at grand strategy games um did evolver have a type i mean i i guess you could try and pin down games that you think a devolver would publish um but with raw fury like i think the games end up being pretty similar like when i joined there was no scout but the the ceo and the founders like gordon and, and david and so were really good at picking games that they thought would, would do well and ultimately they were like pretty successful at that and i think when i joined it was more about um trying to focus that on what we've done and how we how we continue doing that with with other games so when i talk to devs they're like what do you want to see in a game i'm like i just i wanted to like 
be something that has that little bit of magic in it, whether that's because of how it looks. And in that example, Sable, like Sable had a really crappy character controller when they first sent it over. Like it was, it was really <laughs> terrible to play, but it was, you just knew from playing it and looking at it and talking to the team that there was something special here. Um, and, you know, Atomic Crops is my biggest example of a game that looked terrible, but played incredibly. Um, it's funny. So Atomic Crops is, um, so I got addicted to, to Binding of Isaac pretty hardcore and i've played i think most popular roguelikes in the past couple of years um other than spelunky which i just never got on with and I don't yeah know i feel why. you i feel you i know what it is it's uh, platformers aren't my thing i guess um okay atomic crops don't is still pitch in- callum a platformer all right i mean he's like, got, got her a platform i don't know so yeah <laughs> uh atomic crops is still a game you know when you're like sat staring at your steam list you're like i know i don't want to watch tv i know i want to play something like what am i going to play and you like go back to like whatever it might be you always play whether it's like Civ or rocket league or binding of isaac used to be for me i find myself playing atomic crops even though it's like unbalanced every week it's always changing it's just fucking fun and it has that joy that i got when i first tried it uh still in the game and it's things like that is why i'm a scout because you can find these things and you can enable them to become actual projects rather than someone's just someone's dream um so yeah we don't we don't have a type we just want to be impressed and and we want to to like as gamers think holy shit this is this is cool you know either because of what it looks or it sounds like or it plays like like we want to have the same reactions as twitter will when they see it you know um i don't know if that's like a a philosophy (laughs) because twitter is kind of a mess um but you know if 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 we get really excited by how games looks like maybe other people will too yeah i mean that makes sense i mean like i i always enjoy your uh example with sable of like it i got i got sold on a gif yeah it literally is yeah i mean i i i look at screenshots saturday every week and and see who's making what um and i i've i I kind of fucked up. I gotta tell you, Dylan. Like, there's two games I really wanted to sign, and I didn't. Uh-oh. I didn't push hard enough for them within Raw Fury. I was like, "All right, we'll wait a few months, see how they progress." And now they've both got publishers. Um, and I was like, "Damn, we should have taken a risk." Like when we just didn't know, and it was just a single gift. So I think I'm gonna push for some more of those risks this year. Um, I kind okay. of stepped off the pedal a little bit, so we'll see. Because you can get too um, safe, you know. You can get complacent. You're like, we have a good stable of games coming. We've made some successes. A good stable of games, am I right? Right. Oh, yeah, nice. Um, And you can get complacent (laughs) and be like, all right, everyone needs to, like, care about everything and let's just pick the best of the best. And, like, I I, I think my strategy this year is to just to take some risks on some early stuff that we have no idea if it'll uh, it'll do good or not. The kind of games that could be 10 out of 10 or 0 out of 10, which is, again... Are you you in the kind of place right now, like, we're more comfortable that you think you can take greater risks like that Uh, in terms of where the company is? You mean, like, financially? Yeah. Yeah, I think so um yeah i mean we're, we're we're doing well like we've we've had some real great games um come out and even our games that haven't performed as like financially well as others again we we kind of have this really great business team at, at well fury led by andrea and she's just so good at getting money from companies where other people try and fail so we try and offset risk even even if games aren't kind of financially that popular on steam or whatever it is there's there's other ways of kind of helping them break even so i, I think we're pretty good at doing that so outside of, of publishing what's what's your you got a game plan you got a favorite place to be at in san francisco or gdc in general so i'm getting a tattoo on this saturday uh so last year i got a tattoo on the saturday after gdc and it was possibly the worst decision of my life because i was <laughs> so tired and i was just hung over from five days of like 
being out and I was socially day drinking yeah I was just done I was just done in any every sense of the word like I did not want to talk to people and it's just like I have a bunch of tattoos and they all hurt as much as the next one you always forget how much they hurt but like no joke this was just hell um, I did not enjoy it at all so I contacted that tattoo artist and I was like alright let's do this again but let's do it the Saturday before GDC because I think I'd rather go through GDC with like having to care about my tattoo than do that again I never want to sit in that chair after five days of, of work so I'm going to get that done um, Wednesday and Thursday like my Raw Fury pitch me I'll do 12 meetings a day days of like half hours so I'm starting at like 9.30 each day and finishing at 5.30 in terms of meetings um and then I think, like, Tuesday, I'm just going to try and see people, I guess. Um, there's there's always too much happening at GDC. And I've, I've maybe been eight or nine times now. And I think this is the first year where I just have tried not to organize anything. I just don't I don't care about the Microsoft party anymore. I don't need to be seen at the, the, the Sony gathering. Or, like, maybe I'll swing by the Discord party because I know there's going to be some cool people there. But maybe I won't. And I can just hang out with the four people I happen to be with at the time. Like that's my biggest advice for GDC for everyone is like, if you're with a nice group of people, don't, yeah. don't leave them to go to a party or something. Just hang out. Like I did. I'm already there. Yeah. I'm already there, man. Um, Year two. I'm already like, I have no plans. <laughs> like Let's before just do the it. Call, we were going to meet at a, like a group dinner together and I sacked it off because I was with, I was with a dev that I was enjoying hanging out with. Um, and we went and got Chipotle. <laughs> it's like, that's not the dumb thing at GDC. Everything has to be planned right. and you have to be like with the right people. And, and I was like, nah, I'm, I'm done with that. Let's just go hang out and, and get a really crappy burrito. I really enjoyed it. It was I like crappy food, so Chipotle Chipotle's okay. Yeah. I mean I don't get mid tier. It's like Chipotle's very good Mexican for where I live. Um we right. only have maybe one Mexican restaurant here. Um so we have uh you have Uber Eats, right? Yeah. So we have Uber Eats. Um we have I think one Mexican restaurant in Newcastle where I live, but they have two fake Mexican restaurants on the Uber Eats. They have like a an indie like burrito place and then a taco place. It all comes from the same restaurant. They just like brand themselves differently, so you think wow. you're getting like legit fun Mexican food. So, yeah, I was hanging out with Matt Gambell a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. He's he lives in Brighton, um, and he, there's like a place over there called like Tortillas or something. I forget what the some chain like that some generic right. part, part of mexican dish and <laughs> yeah. he, he was stoked for some chipotle because i guess i guess yeah, it's, it's better ge- than it is genuinely like much better than what we get over here matt gamble's great he, he released a film this year i don't know if you saw like a legit yeah, yeah, film, yeah. like a gangster film i'm like holy fuck that's, that's really king good. of crime yeah uh that seemed really cool yeah good for him but yeah like my, my plan for gdc this year is to try and spend time with people who want my time so whether they're pitching or whether they just want to chat or like friends i haven't seen in a while um, I generally don't think I'll step in the show itself. Um, I don't have a ticket. I could buy a ticket, but I don't really plan on it. Like, I never, again, it's just seeing people. There's too much people to see. And I, you know, I think there's a level of self help and self care that needs to be taken with GDC. It's like, it's okay just to chill out. Um, I, it, I have to caveat that. Like, my first, let's say, three GDCs, like, it probably wasn't okay just to chill out. Like, because you have to get out there and meet people. And this is, you know, how we talk and, you know, it leads to jobs and all of that sort of stuff. Like, I get that. But, like, I think once you've you've been a bunch, it's just people are tired. <laughs> you just want to see friends and, and chill out. So, like, last year I spent a bunch of time with Alec Hawaka uh, on the, the grass. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm a fanboy. I love your game. Like, um, you know, and he was like, I oh, just stay and hang out and chat. Um, and I think that's another point. Is like everyone fanboys someone else. Uh, sometimes right. we both fanboy each other, which is always fun. Um, but like everyone always like has something to, to talk about or something. So, so that's my plan. I, 
I'll, I'll try and keep to that plan of just trying to take it a little bit easier. Yeah, I mean, um, going in last year, like not really. I mean, I had I had a I had a, a network, right? But it wasn't like huge, and there were like a lot of devs there who I looked up to or aspired to wish to talk to, and never met them. So like, there was like I could only go up. Right, like right. I could only like meet people and be excited with who I met. It's not like I could have come out of GDC and it's like, well, I didn't meet X, Y, or Z person because <laughs> it's really gung ho for that. It's like, no, I, you know, I met Mike Bethel, I left, I met Lee from Itch. You know, I talked to the Saltzmans and everything. Um, That's a nice list. All the Saltzmans, I'm obsessed with them. I, I love them so much. If you were sticking around till Friday, you could do the carousel <laughs> that Becca buys out. Yeah, no, I, I'm leaving. As discussed, I'm going home <laughs> to see my family. Right. Uh, Understandable. But it's the Raw Fury party on Thursday night, so I kind of messed up because I'm not even going to be there. If you want to like oh, go man. as me, please do. <laughs> yeah, I'll pretend to be you. Can you kind of get a... in some shape or form? <laughs> Give me esports shirt. I'm good. Oh my god, I can't believe you just told your listeners I'm wearing an esports shirt. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's not a lie, but uh, it has my name on the back though. <laughs> you can see oh yeah. Some, yeah it's, uh... Does it have a number? Do you have a number? No, you don't have numbers in esports, Dylan. Come on. Oh. Come on, dude. Uh-huh. No, uh-huh. just be number one to five, like, <laughs> or like one to three. It wouldn't really make sense. No, we don't. You don't have numbers. You have big, big old energy drink sponsors usually instead of a number. <laughs> or big old sites. Lacroix. Yeah. Uh, or Lacroix. Yeah. Oh my God. Being sponsored <laughs> by Lacroix would be great. I'd be trying to get sponsored by Huel. So Huel is like a UK. Uh, future tech meal replacement drink thing. It's like soda, okay. I guess. Um, <laughs> they won't. They won't sponsor me. It's, it's, I, no. I don't know why not? Come on, I'm the nine thousand Twitter followers. Surely they want that that kind of reach, <laughs> but apparently not. <laughs> and also, Dang. I look so unhealthy, so I'm probably not there. <laughs> They're just like, uh, no. Uh, that's my other uh, plan for GDC this year is to try and eat healthier. Um, uh-huh. I'm going for steak two nights in a row. Which I I, th- I think is good because That's at okay. least I can I just mean, try and stay with meat and veg. Um, but like all these people on the keto is it keto? What's keto, that diet? Yeah, exactly. Like I might like I'm I'm I've been going to the gym, although you can't really tell, and I've been trying to eat kind of meat and, and protein and you know eat a little bit better. So I'm gonna try and do that. It's just the drinking that kills me. Like I just I drink beer for five days, so it's uh, That's the other thing. Like. I don't want to be hungover and taking pitch meetings because it's just not fair on the developers um, and everyone's going to be tired enough as it is. So um, there's always that to think of. Like if I was pitching people, like I would even less want to be hungover. Um, so I think I'm on both sides, like some people should, should take it a little easier. Yeah. I'm not a heavy drinker. So like that, that part really didn't appeal to me. I'm not until, until I am <laughs> like I can go weeks without a drink. Uh, like I don't drink in the house and, and, you know, I have two kids, so I don't go out that often. And, you know, I, I work with my friends. So like we see each other all the time, but when I like do go out, I'm like, right, let's go. <laughs> I haven't drunk in a month. So, yeah, <laughs> go for broke. Yeah. It's not, it's not the greatest. I feel you. Uh, but that's the English way of doing things, right? Binge drinking. It's kind of what we're known for, I guess. <laughs> Find the flags. <laughs> National pastime. Yeah, exactly. What about you? What's your plan for GDC? Like this is um, your second time going? Yes. What are you going to change? What am I gonna change? What am I gonna change? Um, I'm gonna hang out with this guy Callum Underwoods more. Okay. I feel like I didn't see him at all because yep. he's a cool dude. Okay. Um, I don't know about that. He has a bad rap these days, so we'll see. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I hear he he binge drinks. <laughs> uh, it would be nice to hang out. We should we should do that. 
the um i'm trying to think i mean i i signed up for uh a couple like get togethers i'm going i want i really want to go to the game workers unite uh oh, yeah. social because i know like emma and all them over there and and they're all really sweet um i'm not getting a conference pass just because that's kind of too expensive for me it's too rich for my blood yeah um is that so i don't really like the talks one yeah, yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah i never have done that so there's not really any talks I, I think there's a couple that are like the advocacy track which is like hey poor people you can see these ones um I think I think there's a union <laughs> one. You can see this one. Look at what you could. Look at what you're missing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll probably I'll probably go to that one. I might go to Rami's number one reason to be. I mean, I don't even know. I think he's doing it. He I, is, I haven't heard anything he is, about yeah. it. Yeah, he, again, he's been struggling in the final like few weeks because of visa issues and all that stuff. Um, shit, I could have checked. Which sucks. Visa. It does. Suck. I I saw it last year and like that was it was just a crime that so many devs that he asked to be on couldn't make it. Yeah, let me think. Uh, bu- 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 bu. I mean, I'm coming off a tr- train jam, so. Oh, you're doing train jam. Oh, um, um, Christy's going to be there. She uh, she does, like, social and PR for Raw Fury. Um, okay. Raw Fury is sponsoring one of the diversity spots on train jam this year. I don't know if we've announced oh, cool. it because it was just kind of a thing we wanted to do anyway. But, yeah, Christy's going to be on there. Um, I guess, like, just hanging out with people. I don't know if she's going to work on a game. She might, but I think she's going to, like, help people, you know, this is how you meme well, um, which is kind of what she does. She's like a meme <laughs> queen. Uh, sure. So I, I think, uh, yeah, you should say hey to her for sure. She's, yeah. she's pretty cool. She was a streamer on Twitch. Um, and then, uh, like, we hired her just because she had, like, the right attitude and, and right kind of skill set. She'd not done this specifically, but then, you know, I hadn't, half of us hadn't done the jobs we'd done specifically before that. It's a lot more about attitude and kind of what you come with, so... So yeah, she'll be on Train Jam, which is which is cool. Yeah, I think I saw her talking in the Train Jam Discord, so I should I should reach out to her. Nice. Uh, so you're gonna like? Do, are they showing? Like they had a booth last year, I think, where they show. Yeah, they have a booth the every projects. year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, did you do Train Jam last year as well? Yes. Okay. So they sign. You can just sign up for like hour slots to demo your game. Um, I worked with Matt uh, Gambo. We worked together on a game. Um, though ours was only playable with controllers because it's multiplayer. So like we had to bring controllers because the booth didn't have oh. any stocked and, and plug them up. So basically, like people could only play our game when we were there, okay. able to demo it. <laughs> you should have made uh, that a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> was I think it was? Uh, oh my god, I've I forgot the name of their studio. Um, there is a really cool indie team who they were up for an IGF award, I think maybe four or five years ago. And instead of showing their game, they left like a treasure trail, like a a hunt for them. So you'd have to like figure out the clues and things. And then when you like got to the end, it was just them hanging out chatting. And I thought that was really good. They're like, you don't want to see our game. You can just go buy it. <laughs> Let's just chat. If you're interested in weird puzzles, then you can follow it and find us. And I thought that was really nice. So that's cool. Um, I really like last year. So IGF, I'll probably go to the IGF awards because I really enjoy that. And that's also super inspiring. Right. Um, I enjoyed the the Baba is you dev. Oh, like, yeah. Getting multiple awards and not knowing what to do every time he went up to the yeah, stage. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, so yeah, GDC for me, I'm going to try to take it a little easier um, and and just like focus on helping people who can, can do with 
um, like advice or, or feedback. I always feel like a fraud though. Like I literally tweeted today, like I wish I had a mentor and I feel like no matter what level you're at or what job you're doing or what like position you're in, you always want someone else to help you out. Um, and so I'm trying to like tune my own feelings towards that into helping others out if, if, if they need it or want it and I have time. What was Felix's advice? You and Nick Sutner should just be each other's mentors. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, me and Nick used to work together. Um, have you seen the stuff he's doing, though? He's, like, he worked on Celeste. He's helping the Untitled Goose Game. Like, he's doing a bunch of really cool shit. So I look at him and I'm like, nah, you don't, I don't, you don't need a mentor. But maybe you can mentor me. I don't know. Like, that's, that's the problem. Like, how, how do you find a mentor who you might not work with is my issue. Because I don't want to have a mentor who I then work with in some degrees like whether they're like pitching a game or whatever or like using them as a writer or something it's just i i find it can become awkward but maybe i just have to like let go of that and just accept that everyone's going to work with everyone at some point in this industry yeah especially like um if you're doing like kind of independent biz dev and right. stuff like that yeah like we're going to be stepping on each other's toes all the time which is it's, it's not a bad thing i like i like nick and not I think it also is just kind of like the youth of the the industry, or at least our arm of the industry, right? Like indie games, like as a like cognizant, solidified thing, is still relatively young. So like finding someone who's like significantly older than you and kind of has like the stature, like oh, you're the mentor type. Yeah, you're right. Kind of hard to find. Yeah, I kind of want Bex to be my mentor, but she has so much on her plate. Uh, Saltzman, again, you mentioned her earlier. Um, but you're right. There's there's not that many people who've like done what I've done, for example, because it hasn't been done that that often. Or if it was, it was in a different a different shape and form. Um, I feel like this definitely settled a little bit in terms of publishers. Um, like there's definitely like a solid stable of seemingly good publishers who are signing certain sizes of games and things like that. Like I feel like it's not it's not a bad place to be a dev right now. Um, even Numskull, like, do you know Numskull, the clothing company? Uh, I follow Ryan Brown, right, exactly. so I saw the announcement. So they're like, a clothing company announced that they're going to be publishing, which is kind of nuts, but then it's like, well, why not? Like, they already talked to a bunch of developers. They already have people working right. at the company who are into games. They hired, like, the Rising Star team who were a publisher. Um, like, I think it makes sense. It's just, it's it's cool that more things are entering the market to, to kind of... You know, not all of them good for sure. Like there was, there's been a couple instances recently of a of a publisher just like walking away with all the game's profits and not responding and things like that. But majoritively on the indie side, like I, I feel like they're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, from from what I've seen, I mean, it it seems easier for like people that are in the know and can like build something off of 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 their knowledge of reaching out to devs for a previous thing than. I don't know, like a lot of a lot of AAA had indie publishing arms and a lot of those seem to have not done as well. Yeah, I mean, like the EA indie publishing arm is basically if you were friends with Patrick Soderlund, it seemed. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, what was that? Was it Two Brothers? To, uh, what was Faisal's game? Uh, um, he did uh, the rant about, talking about the Oscars. A Way Out? Is a Way Out, yeah. Like, he was, he's been working with Patrick for like six years or something so it's mm -hmm. not this like oh we found this cool game let's pick it up um and then there's the private division which is i think 2k it's like they're like indie uh, is that so. take two um it's yeah. a triple a company anyway that has like an indie arm but that indie arm like they signed um uh other world right yeah like david goldfarb's game as well um so there's definitely like the AAA are trying to do that sort of thing. Um, there's also funding, more and more funding becoming available. Like Kowloon Knights are doing like project investment. Um, 
Petter Henriksen, who runs Landfall Games, has set up like a, a fund for kind of underrepresented people in the games industry. So, um, and then like Nordisk Film have been doing investments. So I feel like there's also a good amount of investment going around. Um, but like on the flip side, there's just so many games and so many devs that it, it obviously can't keep up. So there's always going to be people who kind of, you know, can't, can't make it work by, you know, bad luck or just not being the right place. Or as you said, maybe not renewing the right people. Um, right i think that's the scariest part and i mean gdc kind of like brings all that to the fore right like you said like it, it would suck to pitch to someone and them saying no simply because they had a bad day or because of x y or z reasons even though it's the reality it can be i've done a whole talk about that and i was i think the talk was like why pitching to publishers sucks um and it was trying to open the curtain on the process from the other point of view and i literally had this big list i was like here's why we might say no to your game and it included things like, I haven't had breakfast that morning and I might read your email and just not be interested and I'll move on. Or like the wrong person looks at the game or it's just, there's so many different reasons that ultimately it's human nature. Like if we could if we could farm it out to AI or a computer or a process to get things signed, like I don't even think we'd do that because you miss the the, the things where you have to look beyond that. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is tough. Um, and we make mistakes. Like there was at least five or six games I would say since I started at Raw Fury that I wish I'd said yes to um, and I didn't and I regret that but uh, like you you, when you look at a thousand games a year like it's going to happen um, yeah so yeah I just have to be okay with that but it's it is tough because it's like I passed that honeymoon period now at Raw Fury the honeymoon pe- period sorry was like signing a bunch of games you don't really know how they're going to do for like two years or so and now we're getting up to like launch for some of them and things like that so it's kind of like my work is done almost when I sign it and then it's on the production team and everything like that. But it was me that took that decision to sign the game. And if, if ultimately there's not that much for them to work with, it's it's going to be hard. So we'll see. I'm, I'm pretty positive about all of it, but it's definitely a, you know, you mature past that like, oh, everything's going to be great to like, okay, let's, let's see how these perform and see if we change things up after that. That's really cool. All right. I feel like people need to know about your Snorlax. Oh, geez. Uh... <laughs> 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 you know what it is that that Snorlax has like haunted me since the day that happened. I knew. Is it, is it worth it though? I mean, was yeah, it worth it's it? Funny. Like I knew when I was making those tweets that it was a funny thing to happen. Um, especially like the first tweet where I was like, "Oh, I had to send it to my friend in America." Blah blah blah. And then I like left it for three months because I didn't travel to the US for such a long time. Um, and then on the way back stage by stage as things started to go wrong i was like this is funny like my friends are gonna get a kick out of this um because it was like multiple flights like tsa forced open the whole thing which had ruined my like careful packing and like it got lost at dallas airport just so on and so on and so forth I was like, this is funny but i just i did not expect it to like a blow up the way it did on twitter or b like being called off news uh, uh, like the press association did an interview with me and I was like, this is what the hell am I doing? This is fun. No one's going to care about this. But then obviously they send <laughs> that out to places like the guardian and the Washington post and like the Irish times. And like, I was on lad Bible. I was like, I have succeeded as a man in 2019 <laughs> because I've made it onto lad Bible. Um, I went for a meeting with riot in London. They have a small team over there kind of working on esports stuff. 
Um, and someone came in and handed me this little plushie. And I don't play League of Legends, so I had no idea what it is. But I assume it's from the game. They were like, this is for Snorlax. I was like, what is going on? I can't even have meetings now without people commenting on it. So, no, it's funny. And then my tattoo artist was like, we read about it. Was that you? I was like, yeah. So every time I'm in there, she's like, people come in. She's like, did you read that story about that drunk Jordy who bought a Snorlax? They're like, yeah. It's like, that was him. What an idiot. I was like, fuck. Uh, it, it was, I forgot it, that they referred to you as a drunk Jordy. Drunk, yeah, drunk Jordy or like drunk man. <laughs> I was like, God damn it, really? Uh, I had to stop like taking calls about it because it, it went from this like silly fun thing, which I found funny and my family found funny to like, this will be all that shows up if you Google my name for the next few years. Like, Real People magazine is like this UK trash mag about celebrities and stuff. They wanted to do a story about me and my wife, and they were asking my wife questions like, trying to get her to say she was angry about it and things like that. And I was like, you know what? This is like, let's just stop. This was fun. Uh, like, it's, it's, it's been surreal. I've had my, like, 15 minutes of, like random internet celebrity fame and let's just move on but it was it was funny I'm, i don't regret the the circumstance it was it made me laugh a lot also check out my soundcloud now let's move on right i didn't have a soundcloud so i like so it was uh i started on my friend's farm and a sweet uh she runs sweet farm which is just south of san francisco actually it's like an animal sanctuary so my last tweet i was like go support the sanctuary it got like 800 likes or something like that which like my normal post maybe gets like 20 30 likes something like that uh it was it was yeah it was funny um i enjoyed it that's good i i think i'm gonna have to commemorate it with a tattoo at some point but we'll see Oh yeah, that that that's immediately like when you brought up your tattoo artist. I was like, oh, is there yeah. a Snorlax she wants tattoo to do in the works? Free. She wants to have like a Snorlax with a little like suitcase or something like that, or like travel bag. And I'm like, all right, this sounds this sounds fun. We should do this. Uh, yeah, we we have a uh, we have a tattoo parlor like right down the street from me, uh, Richmond. Actually, I think it has the most tattoo parlors per capita in the United States. Oh wow! Why? Um, and there's, I, I, are you like great a great question? Or you, I don't know where Richmond is. Richmond, Virginia, it's the capital of Virginia. It's like, uh, it's on a major river. When, so When do I tell you I don't know where Virginia is? Virginia. It's on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on. Maps. Where's maps? Uh, it's, it's, it's a state filled with names we stole from your country. Oh, you're just above North Carolina. I see. Uh, oh, you know where North Carolina is, but you don't I, know where Virginia I, is? I internet dated a girl when I was 14 who lived in North Carolina. I mean, I, I think she was a girl. I think she was my age, but I don't know. Um, yeah, when I was like severely not cool, I had, an, I had a, a few internet girlfriends over the years. Yeah, when I was in North Carolina. So look at that. So you learn some East Coast United States geography. Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think it was on the East Coast. I thought it was in the middle of America. So my, my, my lack of geography, geographical understanding, I think I was getting it mixed up with North Dakota, maybe. When we started this call, you were like, you're East Coast, right? And I was like, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I thought that. I think I thought you lived in New York. Um, I mean, you're uh, pretty close. You're only like three Englands away from New York. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Oh, you're, oh, you're in Pittsburgh. Okay. Yes, I am near Pittsburgh in a way that. <laughs> oh, hold on, the, Charlottesville. The way that England I get is near Germany. Yeah. Now I know Charlottesville, so you got that going for yeah. you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not for yeah, the, I guess. the best reasons. Um, which Virginia are you like? Mate, the the pri- Virginia Prime, or are you like West Virginia? No, I'm Virginia Prime. No one lives okay. in West Virginia. Newport. Well, I don't know Newport. Newport's famous for something, right? I mean, a lot of well, Christopher Newport was um, I don't know not a um, uh, captain. 
I believe. Baltimore? Is Baltimore in Virginia? No, it's in Maryland. Oh, man. Your, your state sucks. Sorry, man. What? <laughs> it's, the, it's the old Dominion. If I zoom out far enough on Google Maps, um, it, the old, it, there's no big cities. It's like New York, Philadelphia, big old gap, then Charlotte. And then like there's Pittsburgh, DC Columbus, doesn't even show up. Cincinnati, Louisville, like there's no big cities in Virginia. Louisville, why is Louisville showing up? <laughs> I don't and know. Not this is like Washington DC. Uh, where's Washington? Yeah, Washington isn't. That's where's yeah. All right, okay. Two well, hours north of me. So right. Well, oh yeah, I see. It. Yeah, Washington and Baltimore disappears when you zoom out far enough. Weird. It's a conspiracy film. That's what it is. Uh, this, these, these Louisville, the Louisville Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, the lobbyists of Louisville really made sure they were like listed on the map between yeah. Evansville and Lexington. <laughs> I love it. All right, now that we know where you live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now let's look at where you live. Uh, it's hey, like can't knock. It's like can't knock England. It's all good over here. It's fine. It's like uh, Northeast England, right? Well, actually, my, my city also doesn't show up bold. So that's not good. You got London, Manchester, and Leeds, Liverpool, not Newcastle. It's a shame. I mean, who cares about Newcastle? Wow, that is uh, it's bad. Although I did just shit on your state for a solid five minutes. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I let you off. Um, is that uh, who? Are, are there any other game devs in in Virginia? Like, what's the what's the game dev scene like? Um, it's pretty small. I mean, we, we have our like little local indie scene here in, in Richmond, um, DC or like Northern Virginia, which is like the DC Metro used to have like, um, uh, mythic okay. used to be up yeah, there, yeah. uh, like the dungeon keeper devs uh-huh. and those guys, some of those guys went on to make enter the gungeon. Oh, I love that game. But I think they, uh, most of those devs moved to like Austin. So like okay. none of them are yeah, Austin's like crazy dense for game devs. It's, it's mad. Yeah. Uh, it's like Melbourne in Australia. Most of the stuff's either like in Maryland or because you like you have like Firaxis in Maryland and you have Bethesda okay. or in North Carolina with like Epic and... And then Rockstar are like New York State, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And, and they have a San Diego team, I believe. And then where are, are they? Uh, they have a Lincoln location, right, in England, and then Rockstar North is Scotland. Uh, yeah, Edinburgh. They might still have Leeds. I'm not sure. They definitely had a Leeds, but I think they might have shut that down. But Edinburgh is like their main, their main right. office. Um, in Dundee, actually, Edinburgh or Dundee. I know it's that just next door to each other. So yeah, I mean, ah, Scotland. Uh, who knows? <laughs> um, so yeah, we got a, we got a pretty good scene in, in the UK. Actually, people people are doing right. pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's it's so many people reach out to me for meetings at GDC who are in the UK, and I'm like, dude, we could like just wait, three <laughs> see each other in person. <laughs> we don't yeah. have to meet in California. So. But actually, we're we're just here. we're in town. Why not? Let's just yeah, do it I now. Mean, and it's probably fair that you will see people from your own city like more in other countries than you do in your own city when you're like a game dev. Um, that's that's what Mike Rose told me. He said he saw Alex more at at GDC than he saw him in Manchester. Brother. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> they're so opposite. It's great. Like they do both do games, which is fantastic. But they're just like such different people. I I really enjoy it. Um, all right. I don't. I don't feel like I've been very helpful at all to any listeners who might be wanting to find out anything <laughs> other than geography or like name dropping brothers. Uh, all right. It, a, a hot. <laughs> let's let's do a productive five minutes. Okay. What, what can we say? That's productive. What should people bring into a pitch? You said you said a video or a build. Okay, so an in-person or... pitch. Um, 
uh, I would actually always start with a video just because you, you set the scene and you set the tone and you put someone in like a certain frame of mind. If you spend 20 minutes telling me about like who your team is or where you're all from or what you've worked on previously and like who's writing on the game and what style of writing it, like I still don't know what it is, right? And I ask this question so often in meetings if they don't have a build. I'm like, so what actually is the game? And they're like, oh, it's this. And I'm like, no, like what am I doing in it minute to minute? Like I get the, this grand overarching narrative and it's like, what am I doing? Is it like, am I first person picking stuff up like gone home? Am I like, is it like a firewatch? Is it like a, a shooter? Like what actually is the game? And I think people forget to really set the scene in that because they're so, uh, they've been focusing on the game for so long that they forget to, to do that initial, like this is, this is what it is um, and this is what we're doing. So I think that's like the first thing is a video or just like set the scene straight away. Um, Atomic Crops, when he emailed me, he, he said like, do you want to sign my game? It's Nuclear Throne meets Stardew Valley. And like that just, like straight away you understand what that is. And I don't really love those descriptions of like game meets game, but in that situation, it's like, yes, I get it. That, that sounds dope. Um, so I think that's the first thing for meeting. Business cards, funnily enough, are like still useful in this day and age. Like I still go through my business cards at the end of GDC and like add them on LinkedIn or whatever. I don't know why it's kind of not very helpful, but I still do it. And I'm sure other people do too. Um, and then like a budget, like I don't need to know what you're paying everyone, but like have a number in mind of what you're asking for. Like, what is this game going to take to build? And I think you should really have two budgets in mind. Like one budget is this is what it takes me and my team to build this game on PC. Uh, this is what it takes to build this game on multiple platforms. And then this is what like we think it would take if we had to do all our own marketing and, and PR and all of that sort of stuff. And like the first budget for us is the most important because we take care of like porting and everything else ourselves. Um, but like, if you can't, if you can't break it out to those things, then you're in the wrong meeting. Like you shouldn't go into a pitch meeting without really understanding what you're asking for and, and, you know, being able to answer questions. And honestly, most of my questions are usually about the game itself. Um, very rarely do we, uh, like we, we put so few games to the final process of Raw Fury's selection process, which is like, uh, due diligence just like all right let's really dig into these financials let's see what the team has done before let's fly them out to stockholm and like spend time with them and like let's make sure this is really what we think it is so few games get to that point that we sign like nine out of ten of the games that we get there so it's 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 often not about like what you've done before or what you're like um or the nitty-gritty it's about like is this a game that i want raw fury people to work on plus can we do we think it can make money with our help and those are the two questions that i ask in every single meeting um and if that if either is a no then it's just it's a no you know um like we might really want to work on something but if we just don't think anyone's going to care about it then it's just it's it's a risk to our other devs that we've signed if we're spending money in in silly ways um but on the flip side if we think it's going to make a lot of money but no one wants to work on it then we won't sign it because it's just boring you know it's not that's not a yeah. fun life. Um, so yeah, I think that those things is what you actually need for a pitch meeting. You just, you need to have a clear understanding of what your game is and what it means to someone who's never seen your game before, but has looked at maybe a thousand other games. Um, and you need to have a clear understanding of what it is you're trying to ask for from that, from that publisher. Do you pay attention to like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like genre saturation or like trends or anything like that? Uh... No, maybe. Should I? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Mike Rose takes a really analytical approach to things, and I think that works very well for him. Um, we don't really. Uh, 
there's like a certain argument to be made that I don't really want to sign another point and click adventure. Like we have the team who did her, Kathy Rain, and they're, they're building out Whispers of a Machine. Um, and like we took a risk on them and it paid off. And I think we have something really good there. But I think I would struggle to sign another straight up point and click adventure just because it's 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 tough. It's a tough market. It's very niche. You have to nail it and get it right. Um and also, like, I'm not really an expert on point-and-click adventures. It's it's hard to tell what is really going to stand up above above the shoulders of the others. Um, but no, there's no real, like, genre gap. I, I kind of like this term micro-strategy. So, we yeah, we don't really look at, at, at specific genres. Micro-strategy is something that I kind of like the idea of. It's, like, games that, like Bad North, um, like, it has this strategic decision-making process within it, Um that is very in your face. Something like Sable might be a little bit different, but it's still, you have to think like really hard about what your kind of actions might be and what they do and things like that. But that isn't really a genre style or something that we particularly look for. It's just, we know that there's an audience for, for that type of thing out there. Um, I like cross-platform stuff. I like signing things that you could put on mobile and put on Switch and PC. And it's just because it's easier to, you know, to sell more copies if it's going to, to more places. Um, but no, there's not really like I don't have a spreadsheet with gaps in it saying we need a racing game this year or we need a first person sure. shooter this year. Like, don't get me wrong, I would like to sign a multiplayer game. We haven't yet, like a strict multiplayer game, like Kingdom Two Crowns. You can play, you know, co-op and stuff. But I want like a multiplayer game because so many of our team came from Dice and came from Paradox and have experience of that sort of thing. But we just haven't found the right thing that fits a company like Raw Fury that right now isn't built for like to provide a service to to gamers. We we sell kind of games and then we do support on patches and dlc but we're not really doing kind of live support so i would love to sign one if we find the right one but we just we haven't found it yet so well it's like you said with like i think the micro strategies is good um i think it's similar to what i, I think of like i think of like a game has to like capture some sort of spark like some specific thing and that can really defy genre or like if if market saturation or whatever like mm-hmm. um if it's if it's got something unique that it's trying to say with itself it can it can really kind of brush away what expectations people might already have for like a pixel art platformer or whatever whatever type of game it is yeah i think that like one of the interesting ones i think from the last year is celeste like if you looked at celeste as i'm sure they were building it and didn't take the time to look beyond the like surface level of the game like you might think this is a platformer it's kind of difficult kind of like meat boy the pixel art is nice and is this going to blow people away? I don't know. And then like you look at it really deeply and you realize it has a bunch of stuff going on in the background. Like the support that they did for speedrunners, for example, is insane. I don't know if you watched the the playthroughs at Awesome Game Done Quick, but the speedrunners... I was there. So. Oh, you were there? No shit. So the speedrunners are talking about it and they're like, they literally added this platform because we all kept on dying there and the game dev like realized it seemed unfair. So they changed that and they have like, they have these like I, the kevin blocks i think i can't there's there was something where it's like a kind of a hack but it's not really a hack like you're not really supposed to do it in the game but i think the game devs knew you could do it and so they added like specific routes for you to be able to do that and things it's really really smart and i think a lot of that stuff you just don't see in a 20 minute pitch um so there will absolutely be things that will be incredible and will resonate really well with people that it might be hard thumper is another example like i would not have signed thumper if they'd pitched me that game originally like oh it's a rhythm based thing that's kind of Lovecraftian and and like what the fuck is that and then you play it properly and get into it and you're like holy shit this is like incredible so um 
again, it speaks to like let people play your game and and have it at the point where you think you're going to have that kind of reaction. Um, and that's 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 not every game at every at every level. I see games now that I said no to a year ago that I'm like, mm, we should talk again because this is I, I see it now um, and I didn't see it before. Um, and you have to be able to see it because you can't believe that you're going to find the magic through development. So many games have launched that just didn't find that specific thing, and they just end up being a, a good. It's just fine. It's fun for some people. People might play it, and you know, on stream or whatever, and move on. Like, but it's not gonna like have that resonance. And I think that's what we look for. Uh, we won't always get it right, but I think that's what you're. And also, like, not every game needs to be that, right? Not every game needs to be this big special thing that's gonna blow up and sell hundreds of thousands of copies. Like, there is absolutely a market for like shipping cool, nice things on itch that sell. I think, I think the Saltzman's actually said like thirty thousand copies is now an indie success, and I, I, I kind of believe that. Like, that's a, it's a lot of copies to sell. But if you're like, if you need to sell three hundred copies of your indie game, like you, you've done it wrong. Basically, like thirty thousand copies is a success, but it's also achievable for, for you know, the right kind of game um so that's kind of, we, we take that into consideration as well i think those are all great points callum i think that's a good place to to wrap up what say you uh yeah i'm i'm good that was enjoyable as always uh i'm looking forward to gdc this year i genuinely am i'm gonna try and take it easier i'm gonna try and give time to people uh i enjoy your podcast i can't believe it's it's still going i'm kind of amazed 180 like it's just <laughs> 181 dude that's like it's really really good you have some really nice people on it's 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 I can't remember which number my first one was, but I feel like it was a while ago. Um, I think it was like eighty. Yeah. Uh, if you give me one sec, I could I can look it up. Um, it, like I, I feel like you'd you'd been like doing it for a while, but it wasn't this big thing. And it seems like since me, you've had just really great guests on, and so it's a real pleasure to be invited back. And I know like we're friends and stuff, but it's it's I like doing this. I don't do anyone else's podcasts. I only do your podcast because uh, I, I feel like it's just, you're nice to chat to and there's not this, like I can just waffle <laughs> if people enjoy it, but I feel like we just understand each other um, and you, you ask the right questions. You always get me to talk a lot. So hopefully I've been somewhat helpful. People can always contact me on Twitter as well. Like I'm not this like, industry legend or visionary and i've not been doing it 30 years but like i'm in a i'm in a privileged place where i get to see a lot of games and i get to make decisions on a lot of those games so if anyone needs advice or help or anything you can just reach out to me on twitter i'm always i'm always willing to take you know a couple of minutes to to check something out like someone sent me their pitch deck um like a few weeks ago for like funding they're like do you mind just taking a look and they caught me at a moment when i was like just trying to distract myself from something else i like went through and made a bunch of comments and things like that so i'm always like at least willing to to take a look and talk to people that's awesome. And what's your what's your Twitter account in case people don't know? Uh, it is at DevRelCallum, which is the, the lamest Twitter ever. I would change it, but it's on all my business cards. So I like it. <laughs> it's like job callum. <laughs> it's like podcast Dylan. Game Dev Dylan. Uh, 97. Yeah. 97. Okay, nice. Who was your number hundred? Uh, it was just a local one. It was uh, the the local the local roundtable. Okay, you didn't like make a big thing about. It. Are you gonna do a big thing for like two hundred or two fifty? You think? Um, I bought some uh, noisemakers for one hundred, so I think I'll buy some more and we'll just mess around on the on the episode again. What is a noisemaker? <laughs> oh, like a party blower. Okay, noisemaker. That's what you call them. <laughs> no wonder Virginia isn't on the map, dude. Come on. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, then, on that note, uh, you can find me at Dylan Alvento. And if you like this podcast, you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, including episode 97, which also includes Callum Underwood. You can find them at 
ward-games.com or on Twitter at Ward Video Games or on your podcast app of choice. Just search Wardcast. Callum, thank you again. Virginia is great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. Bye-bye. <laughs>